Welcome to the meeting room, where we get into a room and we meet. My name's Diana. I'm Sean. Let's get into it. I take a glimpse into time, watch the blimp, read the world is mine. If I rule the world, imagine that. I free all my Uh, we're starting it's not really this is not gonna be in there i promise <laughs> um uh what's going on everyone uh i am sean diana is not here today but i do have a very very special guest uh a good brother by the name of ish davis welcome ish how you doing i'm doing well brother how you doing uh, I can't complain. It's you know pretty rainy today. The weather is, uh, but it felt like it's a good day to set out on your balcony and and do some reflecting. Yeah, for sure. Um, how are you? What's what's going on with you? How are you feeling mentally, professionally? Starting with the deep questions. Uh, yeah, for sure. Mentally, I'm feeling clarity today. Mm-hmm. I would say long weekend. Today is Memorial Day. Mm-hmm. You know, you get that extra day. Yesterday mm-hmm. felt like. You know, an extra day I could just build in to meditate, yeah. focus, yeah. Um, recenter, set goals again, mm. get back into it. Professionally, that's like a 30 minute <laughs> answer. <laughs> um, so I can give a quick background. I was uh, engineering manager at Meta. Whoa, whoa, uh, stop. Okay. Full stop. Because we got to, we, in the meeting room, we celebrate black excellence. And to me, you said you were the engineering manager. En- engineering manager at Meta. Full stop, bro. That is amazing. Like, let's not just roll over the <laughs> and spill into. You know, that's 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 the. What were you? What were some of the things you were doing at Meta? Yeah, man. So it was a journey. So I was there for four years. Mm-hmm. Started off uh, individual contributor. I saw that we had a gap in our product mm-hmm. that could potentially be filled, mm. right? So when you think about Facebook and Instagram advertising, mm-hmm. generally what you think about is I might see some clothes, I see some shoes, those kinds of things that right. people want to buy. Right. There's an entire other market for business to business. So I'm selling my software as a service platform and mm-hmm. I want another business to buy it, mm-hmm. right? So that's a totally different interaction. I'm not selling to a person I'm selling to a business mm-hmm. which means I need to know who the right people in that business are I need to know what kind of content right. they like to interact with um, I need to know what the price point should be mm-hmm. to sell well so there's a lot of different questions there so hmm. pretty much my journey was identifying that working on it a little bit at the beginning right and then over the years just kept growing the scope growing the scope mm-hmm. um, so Ended up in the billions of dollars in revenue from... That's billions with the B, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Yeah, I'm listening. We're going to to celebrate that. I think that goes understated because realistically, just working at Meta is its own enigma. But then when you start talking about getting into products and selling to businesses and software, you're getting into the weeds and the end things that a lot of people just kind of eyes glaze over or like they hear it but we don't really understand it and i think that it's important to know that this is a uh a brother from what part of georgia are you from 
Way across Georgia. Way across Georgia. Not to be confused with way across. Way across. Okay. It's a small town. Small town. Way across Georgia. Yeah. You were at Meta in the Bay. In the Bay. Like yes. you was in the heart of the the belly of the beast. Deuce ex machina. You were there. Yes, sir. And that. And not only were you there, you were there for four years. Very successful. Uh, and helped to you know implement a lot of the the. The things that I guess that we're seeing at Meta or have seen at Meta over the past couple of years. Yes. And so now you're not in the Bay no more. You're not at Meta. You're here in D.C. Uh, without, you know, getting into the specifics of your job because yeah. you don't want to do that. But <laughs> what brings you here to D.C.? How are you enjoying D.C.? It's a great question. I've been here for uh, about five months now. So okay. moved here to work on the Hill, which okay. is... Mm. Raises some eyebrows, I would say. Right. You go from Meta being an engineering manager. Um, I work on the Hill right now for Representative Jamal Bowman. Okay. Um, representative from New York. District another 16, black man. Another black man. Listen, we're going we gonna to yeah. support it all day long. We're going to re-emphasize it, re-emphasize it. Because to me, that's dope. Is Yeah. First black man to represent that district. Mm. First black person to represent that district. Um, yeah, y'all have probably seen him. He's everywhere. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. He's the one. He is the one representative who I feel like is everyone's. Uh, like I feel like I know him. Yeah. Even though I've never met the gentleman, I feel like I know him because when I see him, he's going. He's going back and forth with somebody on the steps, and it's like they just got out of session. They just got yeah. out of a meeting. He's like, "Look, you were wrong," and I'm telling you. And it's almost like you seeing two guys on the on the metro or on the bus <laughs> yeah. arguing about like politics or something. And he just comes off as someone who's very passionate about what he does. Absolutely, he's a real human being. Mm. At the end of the day, I think. A lot of times when people think about politicians or view them, mm -hmm. it's a spectacle, right? Right. That's their job. But he's an actual, like, I feel like I, like you said on the Metro, I feel like he's a guy I could have mm -hmm. just met in the Bronx one day, just chopping it up. Mm -hmm. um, so that was one of the reasons why I picked him. I had other options of people to work for mm. or with. Um, but he, like, he had an interview on the Breakfast Club recently. Mm. He was on Earn Your Leisure. I have that to watch was that. I haven't seen it. You gotta watch that. Yeah, one. I gotta watch that. The Earn Your Leisure one was the one that convinced me because I was like weighing my options. Mm. Just the like, fact that he's a representative <laughs> on the hill and he was on the Breakfast Club and Earn Your Leisure, which is another uh, black-owned podcast focused on commerce and business and yeah. just the different aspects that come with entering into different markets, and so. Uh, that's pretty dope that he was on both of those. He was on both of them, and the way he talks, mm -hmm. I could tell he he's from a similar place from where I'm from. It's yeah. different geographically, yeah, but it's Cut the from culture. The same cloth. Yeah, it's the same. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I can do this. Um, right. I was working on tech, obviously, for about six years. So before Meta, I was working at IBM, oh, working wow. on. Uh, so you've been in the field yeah, for I've, a long time. I've been out there. I'm old man now. Um, but yeah, I was working on cloud security there. Mm -hmm. uh, ended up working on machine learning. Mm -hmm. So that's been kind of my background throughout is mm. 
I can take this knowledge I have in machine learning, mm-hmm. which is AI. Like when I say machine learning, mm-hmm. you could take that as AI. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a subfield of AI, but I could take that. And it's been useful for me throughout my career being yeah. able to. I've been, I've been, you know, because for the job that I have, um, yeah. which I will not disclose, because um, <laughs> the job that I have, I I've had to to learn about machine learning. Like, yeah, bro, I literally have. I'm about to pull it out for you right now. I literally have a notebook with like terms. Oh, there it is. And learning how to, you know, assess what machine learning, what deep learning, all of that yeah. stuff. Um, because these these things that you know we're talking about clearly are very complex. They're very yeah. new. They're very difficult to understand if you don't have that background, if you don't have that training. Yes. And so, how anybody let alone someone who is in Congress has the time to understand these things is beyond me. But I suppose that's part of your job is to help break that down. Exactly. So uh, it's a moment right now. Chat GPT. Yeah. Uh, you have Bard. You have all the companies trying to get on the AI bandwagon. Mm-hmm. Recently, NVIDIA stock shot up. I right? saw that. Because I saw that. now it's not AI is something we'll see in the future, it'll like it's here now. It's here. So you see more investments from organizations like Y Combinator and AI. Like it looks totally different. Mm. Now Congress has to do something. Right. I would change it from has to to they want to do something actually. Mm. Obviously, so you'll see things like the hearing on the hill that Sam Maltman was at on mm-hmm. that same day. There was another hill, uh, another hearing, mm-hmm. um, in conversation about. AI's use in the government because mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw but in the IRS they found that they were targeting black residents three to five times more because of earned income tax credit mm-hmm. uh, which is a problem right that's Absolutely. our government that's our government so one of the things that my main job is is to take in the AI ecosystem my knowledge and bring that to Congress and do something not just in terms of legislation mm-hmm. which is a part of it there's so many other tools in the toolbox that don't get talked about as much. Mm. There's writing letters. There's the bully pulpit. There's getting groups together to actually brief people with different perspectives. Right. So I'm trying to deploy as many of those tools as I can to. Which is a which is a tough job to do because I mean, if anybody has ever seen any of these hearings, they can get really political. They yeah. can get really dicey. You know. You can have, I won't name no names because, you know, you got to go back to work tomorrow. But (laughs) um, you'll have just different politicians who clearly are asking questions with an agenda. For sure. They're clearly, you know, against or for something. And sometimes the questions that they're asking is like, why are you asking about Mm Wi-Fi when we're talking about this? Why are you? That question seems like a waste of time. But. It's it's it seems as though it's difficult for some members of Congress to really understand it. So folks in your position, I guess yeah. you're helping brief your representative, Jamal Bowman, and hopefully there are other folks like you, I imagine that there are yeah. that are helping brief their folks, um, when it comes to what's happening, whether it's with Chat GPT or whether it's with AI or machine learning or NVIDIA. Um yeah. And then folks in my position are doing the writing and the researching so that 
when you're in your meeting with Jamal Bowman, you can say, hey, so-and-so, Sean wrote so-and-so, I know this right. person, and this is the research that we need to be looking at. Um, what do you think, in terms of the challenges that we're seeing, everyone is talking about AI, everyone is talking sure. about all these different things, what do you see as like two things that we absolutely positively need to be focused on this year? So I think there's two things. One is I separate the problems of AI into buckets. So we have generative AI, mm -hmm. which is this new class of problems that we're seeing. Right. I don't know if you saw the images of the Pentagon blowing up that were fake or Trump getting arrested, mm -hmm. the Pope in the puffer jacket, which was the big one. That was one. probably funny. Um, there's that. Obviously, there's ChatGPT. There's other issues that come along with the ability to generate text or information mm -hmm. of at almost no cost mm -hmm. to the user. So that's one thing. I put that in a different bucket, and that's mm -hmm. something we're going to have to contend with, contend with now and longer term. Right. The other bucket is harms that are happening today. So mm -hmm. one thing that upsets me so often is you hear, when AI starts hurting people, that's when I'll get uh, upset about it, or that's when we'll really think about what we're doing here. Right. It's already doing that today. It's like, already doing it. If you sure. think about um, housing, home loans, if you think about applying for apartments and the yeah. algorithms that are used there, if you're thinking about um, how people are able to actually manage their finances, mm -hmm. how people are able to uh, communicate. Mm -hmm. Algorithms are a part of all these things. Mm -hmm. um, Facebook, Instagram, not just social media, it's mm -hmm. everywhere. Mm -hmm. So usually when people narrow the conversation you're missing, there are algorithms that are running underneath so many things to happen in our lifetimes yeah. um, and in our lives today. So the two things I would focus on are one, uh, we have to make sure that these models that are in critical areas of our lives mm -hmm. are as unbiased as possible. And a tricky one. this is, there's an even deeper place to go on that. Okay. I'll get to in a second. Um, so if I'm, applying for a loan and an algorithm plays a part in that a mm -hmm. uh, lot of things to think about there mm -hmm. one did you have this audited have you actually looked back at your data to determine was that data biased and if we look at housing right right let's go back historically we have redlining we have even before that we have jim crow we have reconstruction we have all these things the history of black people's housing in America, for instance, mm -hmm. is marred with discrimination bias. So if you have a machine learning based off of this, do we expect it to be? Absolutely. <laughs> so uh, if you don't take that historical knowledge and information into account, even if the numerical evaluation says it's unbiased, mm -hmm. it's probably going to be biased. Mm. So that's one thing we have to look into is going past just like a numerical this is unbiased to an actual understanding of what this equity right look like right in this scenario so that's one thing i think the second thing is education so mm, yes we talk about sure. as you mentioned ai machine learning deep learning all these things i don't think in any means that everyone has to be an expert mm -hmm. i think people have to understand what's going on uh, if you don't know what's happening, then it's happening to you. Like you have to know. You have to be informed. You have in some to be way, informed. Shape or matter. So, um, 
an example of that is uh, actually when I started working at Facebook, a really funny thing, I was talking to, telling a couple of people, right? Like, right. yo, I got this job. I was talking to some people from my hometown and they were like, that's crazy. I didn't even know people really worked at Facebook. And I was like, yeah, like, what do you mean? They were like, oh, I thought it was just an app. Like, people didn't know it was a whole company of oh, tens wow. of thousands of people that put the app. It's it's on. an information thing. It seems like, to me, realistically, man, like, it it there's so much information out there. There's so much research. There's so much these new yeah. technologies that are being developed. And so, realistically, if you are not in a position such as yourself or such as myself where it is literally our job yeah. to know these things or we are around people who know these things, then we will not be informed. But the information is just moving so quickly so fast. that it's like, if it, how do you retain it all? Yeah. And I think that, I mean, that's the, I, it's, it's kind of funny, but I didn't know like Wikipedia when I mm-hmm. before I started working at I, I used to work at uh, the Wikimedia Foundation and I didn't know that the Wikimedia Foundation I mean Wikipedia had thousands of volunteers that literally go in and update these pages like they do this for free and mm-hmm. I remember being younger and being told like don't use Wikipedia it's not a resource but then when I got to law school I was using Wikipedia as a resource <laughs> to like brief to understand the case before con law class. And like, yeah. after a while, I was just like, no, Wikipedia is a great resource. Like, if I get called on, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page to break down what I need to know to then recite it for class. Mm-hmm. And knowing that the, those pages that are updated or, or created is all from volunteers, are right. all from people who decide to get engaged in that way. I mean, it's a free encyclopedia. Right, yeah. you have free resources like Internet Archive mm-hmm. that just is a, a host of books. But again, it's like even having access to that, or even mm-hmm. having the time to look at that. If you're not, if if it's not your job, or if you're not in the space or in the realm to know those things, yeah, you're not going to use your phone. You're not going to use your laptop to do that research. But in what ways is that hurting us now? It's you know? so. If you're using ChatGPT, and you might have just seen this actually, it's your mm-hmm. field, a lawyer uh, used ChatGPT, didn't check the sources, went to the courtroom, I think, three or four of the cases that he referenced as precedent oh, wow. were That's a big false. no-no. That, <laughs> oh. Ladies and gentlemen, that is a big no-no. Like, I wouldn't even do that. I mean, now, granted, I might use ChatGPT to say, hey, what are some cases on blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And then do the research. But no. But see, that's the thing, right? It's a level of education to know this thing isn't going to 100% give you the right answers. Mm-hmm. Um, there are so many tools out there now. There's mm-hmm. tools that generate images, generate videos that set up your calendar for you that can be your digital assistant right all these things right and it's easy to say all right this is making my life easier right i'm just going to use it right but the goal is to understand it because at this moment like right here as we speak this second this Mm -hmm. is probably 
the least AI is going to be in our lives for the rest mm. of our lives. So moving forward, it's going to grow. Yeah, if we don't understand this to some degree, whatever degree that makes sense for people, right? Then when you go ten years, and it's I'm not going to say everywhere, but pretty much pretty ubiquitous. Much, no, it's, yeah. it's, it's 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 pretty much going to be ubiquitous. Yeah, like it, it already is there. So I see what you're saying. Yeah. So I I encourage people to take this time to be able to really understand it. You don't have to know what generative AI is, but mm-hmm. just understanding um, the high-level principles of what's happening here. Like, yeah. you, you have your data, obviously. Right. That's going to play a humongous part right. in the output. So one thing that I would encourage people to be able to do is just research what data went into these systems. Mm-hmm. And now that's going to be harder to do because a lot of these models are going to be closed and they're not mm-hmm. going to tell you what data was used but which is a which is a, a major problem um yes. one of i think uh when we first met i was telling you i just finished raced after technology mm-hmm. and was learning about the difficulties with using algorithms where that information isn't given that information isn't visible because you don't know what data is going into these algorithms. You don't know yep. how these algorithms are making decisions. And for those who you know these topics kind of gloss over, an algorithm is nothing but uh, a formula for making a decision. Yeah. Is that fair? I, you know, I, I, I just read. <laughs> I don't know. But um, to my understanding, an algorithm is a formula for making a decision. And... If you don't incorporate certain information, if you train the algorithm to not look at certain things, Mm -hmm. it will only come out with one answer or it'll only come out with the range of answers. Right. And I think one of the things that may be more tangible for people from the the black community to maybe understand is like, yeah, using facial recognition technology in uh, police databases. I literally read this paper a few months ago about how um, certain algorithms, one, you can't even question, like, who is the one that's overseeing the algorithm. Right. You can't question, or not that you can't question, but sometimes the algorithm will do a facial scan. Right. And... It that facial scan is based on the information that it that it has, and so it may be someone you may have someone who actually did commit the crime, but because right. the database of pictures or the database that the uh, the information that the algorithm has doesn't include that person, or it's not, let's say, the person that actually committed the crime, it's only a point seven match. But right. the person who looks like the person who did the crime, it's a point eight or point nine. It's a point nine ninety eight percent, you know, uh, match. Right. Well, then the person who looks like the person who did the crime will be the suspect, whereas yeah. the person who actually did it won't. And so, mm-hmm. it it just seems as though we need to have access to this information. We need to know exactly what's going on. And there's a really great quote from uh, Race After Technology. Uh, by Ruha Benjamin, where she says, it is vital that we demand a slower and more socially conscious innovation. The open, the nonprofit AI research company, OpenAI, says as a practical model for this approach that it will stop competing and start assisting another project if it is value aligned and safety conscious, because continuing to compete 
usually short changes, adequate safety precautions, and I would add justice concerns. Well, that's an interesting quote <laughs> based on what's happening. And granted, that was written... Was that 2019? It was... No, Race After Technology was like 2016. Oh, okay. So this was when OpenAI was in its infancy. Probably. Yeah. So and now to see OpenAI doing what it's doing... I don't know, man. It's, it 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 kind of puts this this dark, gloomy cloud over what the future might look like because so many folks have been right. scared to death of technology via sci-fi movies. So, one thing that I will say about that quote, not to talk about OpenAI specifically, but that vision is orthogonal to capitalism. Hold <laughs> so, on, you said a word. You said it's orthogonal. Orthogonal. What does that Which mean? means, like, if capitalism is this horizontal axis, mm-hmm. then the socially and slower social responsibility development is along this axis. Perpendicular. You, yes. Okay. But you're going, it's a different direction, mm-hmm. effectively. So, if capitalism is oh, kind of the baseline yeah. what we're looking at... Mm-hmm. If you take the slower socially conscious approach, and this has been, this is dogmatic from my my opinion. It doesn't have to be this way, but the way that companies see it is, if I take that slower and more socially conscious approach, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be able to win, Mm. right? And that's what capitalism comes down to is winners and losers. (laughs) We're getting into the thick of it. (laughs) We're getting into the thick of it because I feel like these are the types of issues that should be talked about. Right. On Capitol Hill, like these are the things that where the think tanks and the researchers and the politicians before we move forward on some of this technology, there has to be real understanding. There has to be real social and equitable principles right. implemented into the development, implemented into the dispersion, implemented into the monitoring, implemented into the profit sharing. Right. In all of this, because I mean, we unless, if not, we're just going to kind of be subject to the whim of not just these these companies that are creating these 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 new technologies, but subject to the gatekeepers who allow certain technologies to be right. unregulated, mm-hmm. light touch regulation, heavy strict regulation. Like that's that's. All of this, there's a, a host of gatekeepers to me. And this is not, you know, my professional opinion. This is neither one of our professional opinion. Oh, yeah, um, we got to get that in. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah, our yeah. personal. Yeah, yeah, this is, this, is, uh, this is our personal perspective, not our professional opinions. At the same time, there are these like, gatekeepers and allowing certain technologies mm-hmm. to be developed without that social conscious, without that that framework mm-hmm. you end up with situations where people are getting arrested because of a facial recognition match that yeah. is not actually them you end up with uh i mean privacy concerns that's that's a whole nother topic but yeah, yeah. i don't know it just it, it just seems like because there's so much information it seems all doom and gloom right but Maybe, and I'm curious to what you think. What are some of the positives, the benefits? Why should why should we kind of lean into this and try yes. to learn more about it? So, 
I'm going to tie that into what we were just talking about. Okay. The reason I have optimism, I am optimistic, mm-hmm. that might be my downfall. But <laughs> I think we can change all of these because these problems aren't intractable. They're yep. human-made. So if we think about the software development process, mm-hmm. there are real engineers making these product products right now, mm-hmm. right? The real engineers usually don't get any culpability or receive any criticism mm-hmm. because we're not going to say, like, all oh, the engineers that built ChatGPT built it in this way. Mm-hmm. We're going to say OpenAI has a problem, and we're going to point at the CEO, Of course, usually. There's tens, hundreds, thousands of engineers at these different companies that mm-hmm. are working on these. So Is Sam Altman an engineer? Do you know? I don't know. Okay. An engineer is such a... Okay. D- d- yeah, it's, it's an overloaded term, right? Because yeah. he might do make some projects on his own time and might not have a CS degree. Mm. But this gets into something that's interesting, which is engineers are usually taught to think how. Mm-hmm. I have a problem. How do I solve it technically? Right. right? They're not necessarily taught the why. Mm. Right? And you can think of why as a business case. So like I'm building project X to solve problem A and then mm-hmm. we can have this much revenue. Mm-hmm. But there's a societal why as well. Mm-hmm. Right? So why does the world need this? Mm-hmm. Is it going to help people? Mm-hmm. What are going to be the externalities of this? Okay. And you're not going to get taught that in a CS program. No. And most engineers aren't going to be thinking about this as they're building the products because it really is, it's a machine at the end of the day. Yeah, it's a machine for sure. Everybody plays their part. Right. So given that it is a machine and everyone plays their part, Mm -hmm. how do we turn the machine a little bit toward a place, yes, a place that is more equitable everywhere. So one is going to be the same thing we already talked about is getting different people mm-hmm. in the room to make these algorithms. Yes, right, absolutely. Um, so that means workforce development, that means education, that means hiring practices that are equitable, which once again, the algorithm plays a part there. Um, that, that also means for us as a group and taking in our responsibility of understanding mm-hmm. this, this field is gonna only become more important in the future. For sure. So when people think about what they want to do or who they want to be, what they want to become, mm-hmm. like if you look at, I'm trying not to name drop people, but, <laughs> in this, but like if you look at some of like the richest people in this country, yeah, most of them have software companies or played a part in software companies. Um, and that's for a reason, right? right? So like a lot of these things that we'll continue to see, software will continue to play a bigger part. Right. Once again, if we're not sitting at that table and playing a part and building and having equity, right. we're going to be users. <laughs> like We're going to be the, yeah, we're going to be the product. <laughs> we're on the menu. Yeah. Like if you're not paying for the product, you are the product. You are the, definitely the product. The, the cliche. So. Which is why I'm paying for a chat GPT. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't, I just, I just know that like. Some of the things that I've been researching yeah. have included using AI to lower carbon emissions, right? Mm-hmm. And that feels like such a conundrum because, one, 
the very materials needed to build some of these tools mm -hmm. are stripping the earth of minerals, are stripping the earth of resources. But at the same time, we need a way to track, you know, like carbon emissions, whether it's through uh, ships, planes, mm -hmm. trucks. And so that scope three carbon emissions, there has to be a way to track that. Right. AI can help do that. Mm -hmm. So... I don't know. I just when I when I look at some of the challenges, it it's it's really difficult because I don't know about you, but I'm a big like I like sci-fi stuff, right? Yeah. And the more I look at you know Star Wars, the more you look at I'm a fan of I'm a fan of uh, I don't know if you ever heard of a, an anime called Ghost in the Machine. Mm-hmm. Um, those cartoons or movies or shows all highlight this new technology these new tools and devices and your uh, capacity to use them right but also the challenges with managing different cultures and and, and different perspectives on these tools and services like right. if you watch star wars you see them the, the federation versus the republic versus the the rebels if you watch uh, Ghost in the Machine. It's this robot who has a human soul, but yeah. it th has memories from someone who was born. And it's like we're we're slowly but surely like it feels as though we are slowly but surely marching to our destruction. Okay. But at the same time, there are other serious beneficial uses yes. of this stuff, and whether it's folks in my position or folks in your position and someone's mm -hmm. like how do we how do we make sure that we we end up in the utopia AI yes. utopia earth versus iRobot okay I don't think we're going to hit either of those realistically no 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 so one of the things and we have to be very conscious of the terminology used around AI Mm. Right. So uh, going back to the lawyer situation, we I brought up before, mm -hmm. typically those are called hallucinations. Right. Mm. Okay. The, the machine makes up something that doesn't exist. Like none right. of these cases existed. Right. It was all BS. We call them hallucinations in the industry. Mm. Hallucinations you typically associate with humans. Right. Like exactly. I hallucinated. Something. I hallucinated something so, that wasn't there. <laughs> yeah. But if you start to give those attributes to the machine right then you start to humanize and anthropomorphize that's, the machine. that's a troubling thought that's, that's a troubling thought <laughs> um so one of the things i think about is it's not going to usher us into a utopia mm -hmm. it's not going to destroy us mm -hmm. now can people get us to one of those places absolutely sure so could someone in the future use AI mm -hmm. to its absolute worst mm -hmm. and do some things that we can't even imagine? Yes. Mm -hmm. Could someone in the future use AI to do something that we can't even imagine in a positive direction? Mm. Absolutely. It's about the people. It's about the so people. who are the people that are going to be using the technology that are being creative with it? Mm -hmm. And also, are the people that are the people that are in positions now mm -hmm. going to help others understand? Mm. Right? I think that's really important. So For sure. 
as both you and I mentioned, uh, we're close to this. This is our job, right? To stay yeah. close. For most people, you don't. You can pay attention. You don't have to pay attention. You don't have to pay attention. You, at you all. might not want to pay attention. It you might be. It might be too much. It, it might be too much. So it's on people like us to be able to break that break down, break that down, share knowledge, mm-hmm. and make sure that we stay close to the cutting edge. Because as you mentioned, the edge moves every day. It like, definitely moves. Every- it's moving every day. <laughs> like literally, since I've started my job, I'm like, what? AI can do that, huh? that you can you can i don't know um you can monitor rainwater in the amazon using ai what you can uh optimize energy usage on an electrical grid using ai you can uh with with electric vehicles you can Take some of the these the the juice that the car has and give it back to the grid. What using AI? Like these are all aspects of life that nobody thinks about on an yeah. everyday <laughs> basis. Who is thinking about yes. using AI or using machine learning or deep learning to do any of these things? But we all, in some way, shape, or form, are going to benefit. I feel like our generation. Has, well, we could benefit. We, we could have to benefit. arc it towards. We have way. to arc it towards benefiting from it. Yeah, I think that it's it just feels like for, we have been a part of the generation where we're constantly having to adapt. Right? Yes, like I remember in middle school when having a razor was the shit. Yeah, <laughs> like if you had a razor, you was cutting edge. You yeah. were like there, and then it moved to the sidekick and just. Flipping your phone up was the coolest thing you could do. Yeah. To Blackberries, to Apple computers, to MacBooks, to mm-hmm. now it's having an Oculus. And, you know, at one point it was having a hoverboard. Yeah. You know, so we're constantly moving. We are literally the generation that has grown up with this technology, that has grown yeah. up with these software, uh, this software, these devices. But um, I just think it, it just seems to me that. We have to be aware and stay aware and also share because the cutting edge, as you mentioned, is changing yeah. every day. But um, and the mat and the real power is the integrations and the interdisciplinarity of some things, mm-hmm. right? So, as you mentioned, AI and climate, AI mm-hmm. and energy. You're gonna have. These are the three things I see coming together. This is once again personal opinion. Personal but opinion. So you're going to have AI, you're going to have quantum computing mm-hmm. really explode on the scene, and then you're going to have blockchain. Not to be confused with cryptocurrency. Right. So right. Bitcoin, Ethereum, those are one thing. But the concept of blockchain and the ability to own and the ability to have records that are public yeah. that can't be manipulated. That's so, important. Yeah, those things. and it's not getting as much press like quantum and blockchain aren't getting as much press today mm-hmm. but there's going to be a future where those things come together and reinforce each other mm-hmm. and we're if that happens mm-hmm. that's going to be a new kind of world that we're living in for sure so like once again ai is a part of it so if you don't have a decent understanding of that when these things really come together yeah like it's gonna be it's tough. Gonna be tough. <laughs> it's, it's gonna be tough, tough to catch up. At it's that gonna point. be tough. So to flip the to flip the script a little bit. Yeah. Um, 
you have been here for the past five months, you said. Yes. Been in D.C. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your impressions of D.C. as a city? Now, I've had some of these conversations with plenty of people, and I'm always curious to see what people think yeah. about the city because, um, you know, it's my home. Yeah. And I think that uh, I've seen a lot of changes and a lot of growth, but I also recognize that everyone has their own perspective to it Mm -hmm. and I'm appreciative of others perspectives because there are things that I wouldn't normally see or wouldn't normally get a chance to understand from someone else's eyes so what has been what are some of the things that you've done uh, learned about uh, things you're interested in seeing things you're like I don't understand that why is that here yeah what's going on there Uh, you hit on a lot there I would say the first thing that sticks out to me is the culture Mm. so dc has a way of working and a way of connecting Mm -hmm. uh, that i think is different than other places i've been or lived okay it's very much uh less grab a coffee and chat culture like everyone every day that's happening right there's way more to do here than i expected to be Mm. honest um obviously this is the nexus of political power right so the economic powers have to come here every now and then exactly, um, and do what they need to do. So there's events, there's ways to see what the cutting edge is going to be because mm-hmm. they're bringing that here. Um, there's, I will say, it seems like a city divided in some respects. Mm. You know where I'm going here. But I know where you're going. The... the the gentrification, the opportunities that are available to some that aren't available to others. Right. Um, once again, the nexus of, the nexus of power, right? So mm-hmm. you kind of know, and I've only been here for five months, mm-hmm. but I kind of know, like, okay, this person is gonna is the gatekeeper. Once again, going back to gatekeepers, it's right. the gatekeeper for this. This person is the gatekeeper for this. Right. You got to be on their good side to right. really um, get in there and. It's difficult to do that, right? Yeah. A lot yeah. of these communities are insular. If you're not an insider, you have to know an insider to get in. Um, so I've just been in way too many rooms. To break all that theory down into practice, I've been in way too many rooms mm-hmm. where I'm the only person of color mm. and decisions are being made. Mm. That's the thing that bothers me. It's not a room where y'all are playing board games, yeah. y'all are like... No, it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. is no, we're making decisions about this thing that will affect entire parts or the whole country. Breaking bread and cutting checks. Exactly. So how do we get into more of those rooms? And I realized I came in with some privilege given my background. Mm-hmm. I can do some things that. I oh, probably- listen, <laughs> if you come, if you're coming from the Bay, from Silicon Valley, working at Meta, you're that's a easy access card to certain rooms yeah. for sure but I mean what I I appreciate that I acknowledge it no you work but, hard for that but for sure. yeah for sure but my thing is I, and obviously I'm not in all these rooms it's right. a whole bunch that I don't even know about right. much less got, have gotten into so what's happening like next door what's happening down the street what's mm-hmm. happening on the next block that's mm-hmm. affecting our lives that we have no say in. Mm-hmm. Zero. Um, 
And that's, once again, a scary thought, but the optimistic side is these things are happening. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I love about DC is that there is still that culture of us here. It's still Chocolate yeah. City. It's like, still. <laughs> yeah. I will yeah. say, I will say. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's definitely, Chocolate City is definitely here. Chocolate yeah. City is definitely here. It's just, it's tricky because, um, and I think everything, you, you, you hit everything on the, on the, on the nose. Um, Chocolate City is definitely here. It's just, it's tricky because there are so many aspects to the city changing mm-hmm. that you know who it's for. Oh, yeah. And this is kind of gets into some other previous conversations we've had about the dangers of capitalism is that mm-hmm. it it you have to feed it in order for it to reward you. But if you don't have anything to feed it, it eats you up and yep. you become part of the what it eats in order to sustain itself. And yes, I mean, if you just go down Pennsylvania Avenue, like the very. um the very uh, street that the White House is on, mm-hmm. you go down Pennsylvania Avenue long enough, you'll see other aspects of the city. Right. If you ride the 32 or the 36 from near the road train station into, you know, um, into uh, through southeast, through uh, northwest, you'll begin to see, oh, this is, there are different demographics. It really is a tale of two cities. Right. And one aspect of the city there is these power moves and people building here and bar taco there and you know hell's (laughs) kitchen here like i've been to some of these places i've been able to appreciate that but i also remember like i also remember when um you just remember a different dc you remember different aspects of dc with that don't get discussed or published enough right so like for example, this is, has nothing to do with nothing, but I'm just as aware about the boxing match that Aunt Glizzy and David uh, David Ruffin had. Both Aunt Glizzy is some, I think he's like a rapper or a uh, uh, podcaster, and David Ruffin is a comedian, both from the area. Right. As I am with the developments on Good Hope Road and in uh, Southeast and Skyland Towers where you're literally in the middle of some of the worst like economic yes. uh, uh, poverty that you can see in D.C. But there's these huge towers. And I was literally just there last week um, where there's these new apartments within the little complex. There's a Starbucks. There's an Ann Pizza. There's this a, is crazy. There's, but when you step outside of it, it's like people hanging on the corners. People uh, all stopped at the gas station. There's a right. boarded up, oh, uh, what used to be a, I think that used to be a Popeyes. There's a boarded up Popeyes that is literally a gate around it. There's grass growing through the concrete, like, and so you see, I can, you see these 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 little. Uh, Oasis, this little oasis of economic prosperity. Like literally, there were Volta EV chargers on the Skyland uh, Towers property. But once you step outside that little complex, mm-hmm. now there's there's poverty. Right. There is uh, other there are real challenges that people are dealing with inside. People are driving, you know, Dodge Chargers. They're walking their poodles outside. It looks like oh my goodness. 
So DC is really bold about this. I would say perhaps the boldest I've seen, maybe outside of New York, where mm-hmm. you go somewhere. Mm-hmm. Like I, I've been in the areas you were just mentioning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, obviously, they just built it up, just renovated it. Right. And you're right in front of some places that obviously do not have the capital or anything else that the other place has, as you call it, an, an oasis. Right. And not only is that economically disadvantaging them, right? Because mm-hmm. um, the capital comes in, prices go up, I got to move now. Mm-hmm. Um, or I can't even, I can't afford rent. I hope if you do own, which a lot of times that's not the case, you might be able to make some money, but you're still going to be displaced. Still so be displaced. the machine's still eating. Mm-hmm. But also psychologically, right? Yeah. I've been here. I'm looking across at an a oasis, bunch of, a bunch of pros, uh, prosperity and yeah. wealth and all of that, bro. I'm in the desert, right? <laughs> I'm in the desert, and I can see the water right there, right? I of course, I'm going to go over there and <laughs> steal a car. Of course, I'm going to go there and 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 take something because the circumstances of my life have not benefited me to the point where I can be comfortable. And some people, I mean, it's it's the 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 only the only sad part about it is that you know like not that serious as out but so much but like bro it's, it's people and it's people getting killed like or shot at in front of their schools around their schools car jackings yeah. are up people's cars are turning up missing um one of our uh our friends mm-hmm. she just texted me and said that you know someone stole her car and um wow. And then, granted, I think she found they found it, but like, still, it's it's almost as if you 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 can blame the people in the community to a small degree or right. to a degree, but to another degree, you have to look at the folks, those gatekeepers, the mm-hmm. Muriel Bowsers, the Phil Mendelsons, the folks on the council, uh, uh, DC council that make decisions to impact one part of the city, but don't. That 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 economics it doesn't trickle down the way they say it's supposed to or the way it should. Nah, that's not a real. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna get in trouble off this pot, but for <laughs> sure, like trickle down economics is not. <laughs> it's a marketing term, mm-hmm. right? So like a lot of times when people say AI, uh, there was actually an article out on this. I think it might have come from Commerce that were saying like okay. you're, you're labeling this AI. But you're really mm-hmm. not using AI. No. But like, with trickle down economics is marketing. Mm-hmm. When have we seen it work well in this country? You know, I'd have to be more of a. I have to look more into economics to really study that. But I don't presume it's ever really worked. And it's like think think about the idea, right? Mm-hmm. In theory, all of capitalism should be trickle down economics. Should be right. Someone, but. Once again, that's orthogonal to the mindset. Mm-hmm. If I am able to capitalize... Orthogonal. What's, what's that word one more time? <laughs> orthogonal piece. I can't explain it well, but like if you have one plane, mm-hmm. this other thing that I'm talking about mm-hmm. is on a totally separate plane than that first one. Not plane as in like something flying, but like okay. X, Y, axis kind of a thing. Orthogonal is an adjective of or involving right angles. 
See, it's not going to be... Statistically independent, having variants which can be treated as statistically of or involving right angles. Okay. It's the statistically independent. I got Th- This is to- it's two totally different things. It's going to be, if it's if there's one aspect, like if you're looking at an x-axis, with some, the, the y-axis is orthogonal to the... So, it'll look a little bit different. Okay. So, pretty much the statistically independent part mm-hmm. of it. So, I have one thing... Mm-hmm. that people like to put together mm-hmm. but th- they're not actually going to manifest in that way because of any number of factors right and capitalism okay. is going to be the mindset okay in uh, here i am talking about capitalism but it's going to be the mindset it's going to be the way the structure is set up right. so it's set up for the owner operator whatever that is the investors the mm-hmm. people that put the capital in to get the lion's share of the capital out. I got you. Right? I got you. So, this disparity keeps getting worse over time. Yeah. Uh, so, if we see... Um, there there were some numbers I saw where I think the top 1% of, of the wealthiest people in America have 50% of the wealth in America, which leaves mm. 50... Like... That's insane, right? Mm-hmm. If you think about one percent having fifty percent of the wealth, <laughs> it's a nasty thought to it's a nasty thought to maintain, man. So and that's ninety nine percent that's fighting over the other fifty percent. Yeah, yeah, that's that's and that's capitalism in a nutshell. That's it. That's capitalism in a nutshell. Um, so before we wrap up, I want to and you know normally we wrap up, I give a you know some words of wisdom, but I want to give you the opportunity to uh, you know uh, share. You know your overarching, you know hopes, uh, mm-hmm. things that you want the people to know. If you got an album coming out, <laughs> <laughs> here's the opportunity to you know to share it, sell it. What's your message? You know to the that you want to offer. Yeah, I. That's a good question. One thing that's been on my mind recently is poetry. Okay. And the importance of being able to express something beyond what the English language tells you you should be able to, right? Like, mm-hmm. I can express something in nine words mm-hmm. that it takes book, people books to express, mm-hmm. right? So, just, Saying less, saying more with less. Saying more with less. And the power in structure, the power in being able to paint a picture mm-hmm. that can do more than what books can do. Mm. So, um, as I think about the optimism, once again, mm-hmm. because I am an optimist, I think there are opportunities and the transformations that we will see mm-hmm. won't necessarily be poetry in the sense that we look at a paper and see them, but mm-hmm. I think they will be poetic mm. in the way that you're mm-hmm. going to get something beyond what um, you see, what you see mm. at the end of the day. So, I say that to say... I think, not I think, I know we have opportunities in this new world that we're entering. Mm, yes. We have, yeah. like, talking about DC, yeah. black people built DC people <laughs> from built DC for the sure. beginning. So um, we have a major role to play. Mm-hmm. We can't discount ourselves. Um, and it's going to come back to community connections. Like, we're going to be way stronger together. 
than we than any point. individual. For sure, I like that. I'm a, I was I had a word of wisdom, but I thought I, I think that kind of wraps it up because saying more with less, finding ways to you know to stay connected, to be connected. That's that's part of. I mean, that's that's ultimately what the meeting room is, right? It's yeah. literally in our little intro. Me and my friend Diana, um, we say, uh, get in, where you know, welcome to the meeting room where we get into a room and we meet. And I think that that's the beauty of us as a people. That's something mm-hmm. that's needed. And finding ways to communicate, to be connected, saying more with less um, is is pivotal. So with that. I want to say thank you for joining us. Thank you for your expertise. Many well wishes. I know you got to go back to Capitol Hill soon and you know <laughs> deal with everything pertaining to the debt ceiling. Uh, once stuff. that's over, we'll you know probably have to to wrap up and talk about that again. But thank you for joining us, brother. Um, my name is Sean. Sish Faris. Thank you for having me, brother. This absolutely, is great. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Till next time. Thank you, everyone, and uh, we'll catch you later. Peace. <laughs>